This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry. Also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to FPC Radio Live. It is March 1st. Brand new month. Brand new league year in the NFL coming up. And of course... Uh, the NHL trade deadline. Don't let yesterday fool you. It's actually this month, not yesterday. It was it was pretty wild. Not gonna lie, John. It was I was. Um, <clears throat> I, I love watching the NHL trade deadline. I think it's it's it doesn't get the coverage obviously that you know other leagues do and everything like that. But uh, as of late, um, the last several years, it feels like it's been a very eventful night. And um, quite frankly, <laughs> the East the east john dominated this trade deadline and it looks like it's going to be an absolute bloodbath (laughs) to determine who's going to represent the that conference in the uh, stanley cup final um however the bruins are still the best team having won eight in a row so uh i don't know how how close you paid attention to everything yesterday but obviously one of the biggest uh moves of the day saw the chicago blackhawks trade Three-time Stanley Cup champion Patrick Kane, one of their the faces of their franchise, one of the best Blackhawks in, in Blackhawk history, to the New York Rangers, and you know this is something that obviously was was anticipated, not specifically to the Rangers, but you know Patrick Kane's name has been mentioned for quite some time as a as a potential uh, a trade candidate, a guy that obviously the Chicago Blackhawks are not what they were ten years ago, uh, which. Well, what they were 10 years ago was borderline dynastic. Uh, they are not that right now, and, and we're seeing that with the offloading of, of several players, um, obviously the biggest name being Patrick Kane. But like you said, John, this this is shaping up to be one hell of a playoff season, especially, especially in the East, because, I mean, top to bottom, you have a lot of really, really good teams. The six best records in hockey reside in the Eastern Conference, right? Mm -hmm. So you're looking at potential first-round matchups of Tampa, Toronto, and in the Metropolitan, the Rangers, and the Devils. So two of those teams are going to get knocked out in the first round, and those are two teams, whichever they are, which would be leading the Western Conference right now. That's how deep the Eastern Conference is. And then you've got, of course, the Bruins just lapping the field, and then Carolina with a fairly comfortable lead in the Metropolitan. So, yeah, the the Eastern Conference playoffs are going to be insane. So – the Bruins get by the first round, whether they play whoever the Islanders or the Penguins, whoever it may be, their next matchup would be either Tampa or Toronto, and those two teams are loading up. My big question about Patrick Kane is, can he still play? Can he still contribute? He's a huge name. He's a mm-hmm. future Hall of Famer. He's a great player, one of the greatest Blackhawks of all time. But can he still play? Yeah, and, and look, that that's 
That's the question. And and obviously for a team like the Rangers who are, are really good, I mean, they have arguably the look, Linus Olmark's gonna win the Vesna, uh, assuming nothing dramatic happens over the course of the next twenty games. Um but Igor uh, Sesterkin, I mean, I, that that's the one guy right now, you know, you want to throw Andre Vasilevsky's name in there for, for uh, historical sake, absolutely. I'm not going to argue with you on that. But um, he he's a guy who can make a difference in a playoff series. Now, my question is, and, and, and this, is, this, is the, this is the big issue for all these teams not named the Bruins, can you... Now, they all got better, I thought. But can you, specifically the Rangers, because I do think Patrick Kane can still play, and certainly I think his impact can be made more so on a team like the Rangers, who are pretty deep and obviously are are a very good team, unlike the Blackhawks. Um, The problem is, though, for these teams, who can can compete and beat the Boston Bruins right now in a seven-game series? That's the biggest thing. Can they get it, go uh, go in and, and win a game in Boston? Absolutely. Can one of these goalies come in and steal a game? Maybe two? Absolutely. But I still am finding it very, very hard to imagine the Boston Bruins in any situation against any team right now losing four out of seven games. Because, John, I don't have to really double-check my math here. I don't even think they've lost three out of seven games at any point this season. So... Oh, did we lose John? Maybe we oh, lost. No. Oh no! I'm still here. I'm still here. No, I, 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 the whole part of that is they've got eight regulation losses and five overtime losses, so they've only lost 13 games the entire season, which is just incredible. I mean, like I said the other day, Carolina's having a fantastic mm-hmm. season, and the Bruins are, you know, comfortably ahead of them for the best record in hockey. Sure, um, we see all of that. I mean, if you look at the Eastern Conference, is there one team that you look at and say that's the toughest matchup? for the Bruins, whether it be within the division or in the Metropolitan Division. I mean, I'm not an in-depth hockey guy like you are, but yeah. it would seem to be Carolina. They beat them last year in seven games. They play a real heavy style of game. Um, you know, so I would think that they probably have the best shot of giving the Bruins trouble in a series. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. Um, although I really like uh, the teams in, in, in the, uh, let's see, the greater New York area. Uh, both the Devils and the Rangers, I think. It's going to be interesting to see how each of their new players fit in. Obviously, Patrick Kane uh, with the Rangers, Timo Meyer with uh, the Devils, and those two players can obviously make a huge impact for both of them. Um, But to your point, I I am, and again, this is partly because of the history that they've had and, you know, kind of the play style that Carolina has. But for the first time in, I I can't, maybe maybe since 2011, honestly, I feel really good about the Bruins' physical game matching up against a team like Carolina, whereas in the past, uh, teams like Carolina and, and Tampa specifically, because, you know, you could, ma- like, for, for stretches, the Bruins were able to match or at least come close to the Tampa's offensive ability. Um, the Bruins have always been a pretty good offensive team, albeit, you know, very top-heavy at times. Uh, now they're very deep. They can win finesse but they can also win physical. And that's the biggest thing 
I think for this Bruins team, when it comes to going up against a team like Carolina or going up against a team like Tampa, um, Carolina likely they wouldn't obviously see until the conference final. Um, but Tampa, like you said, you can see them in the t- second round. You can see a team like Toronto. And look, we'll sit here and make our jokes, and there's not a chance in the world I'd ever pick Toronto to win a playoff series over Boston right now. Uh, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to give you a pretty tough matchup. Uh, now, I'm confident the Bruins are going to overcome that one, but at the same time, that's not going to be a walk in the park. So, um, look, look if, if the Bruins end up doing what we kind of talked about the other day, where it's like, you know, they could potentially go on like one of these 16 and 5 playoff runs. Um, it's going to be that much more impressive considering the, the field that they're put going up against. Yeah, I mean, the closest we saw something like that was a couple of years ago when Tampa won their first of the two cups where they kind of just were better than everybody and, and won their series pretty handily. Um, so there's always going to be a tough matchup in there somewhere because that's just the nature of the sport, right? So in the first round, you're playing a team that's really heavy, physical, so now you've got to be able to adapt to that. And then after you win that series, the next series could be against a team that's highly skilled. I mean, imagine, I know it's in the Western Conference, but if you go from a team that's a physical team to all of a sudden you beat that team and then you're playing Edmonton, I mean, that's going to be like culture shock, right? Yeah. When you go on the ice to see Connor McDavid and those guys. So you've got to be able to adapt to that. And that's, I think, why the Bruins are clearly the favorite here because obviously their regular season has been incredible, but they're versatile enough to mm-hmm. win in different styles. And that's really something that maybe they've lacked over the years. I think they had it in 2011. They won the cup, obviously. Yeah. But this team seems to be able to now stand up to the bullies and also end up to the teams that are highly skilled and look that that 2011 team they they had a brief taste of getting to the conference finals but this was a team that obviously hadn't won since 1972 there was a lot of um questions and and look i mean quite frankly as good as that team was this team is better i mean you're you're talking about potentially and look i'm not going to say greatest bruins team ever but you're it's it's you're not going to get far down the list you know assuming this plays out you know, say the most favorable way for the Bruins. They end up winning the Stanley Cup. You know, you're going to talk about this team as being one of the best teams in league his- league history. Well, yeah. I mean, again, if they if they win, they're on pace to 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 break the the wins mark. Um, they're on pace to still uh, break the Canadians' mark. I mean, very tight margin. So they're really going to have to keep pace um, or or do better, obviously, from here on out. But um, you're talking about historical numbers, and then and then you know, again it. It, it, so much goes into winning the cup, though. I mean, you you win the cup, historical, greatest Bruins season ever, this, that, and the other. You're talking about great NHL teams. The Bruins are going to be up there. They lose, well, that's it. <laughs> they, they lose. Nice job. You, you had some fun for a few months, but the reality of it is you didn't win. So, I you know, there, there's going to be a lot of pressure on, obviously, this Bruins team. But considering the makeup and, uh, you know, how they can win in many different ways, I think they're going to be just just fine. So um, at this point, I'm just I'm just ready for the playoffs. Let's, let, let's get there. You know, let's just get there. I, yeah, I, I want to I want to see it. They still got a tough schedule, I believe, five consecutive weekends of back to back games, Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. So those aren't easy to deal with. You know, hockey players aren't into load management. We know that. So, you know, but if you can give Bergeron a day off here and there, Krejci, because, you know, they're both veteran players, give them a little bit of time off so they're a little bit recharged for the playoffs. But you also don't want to get into being rusty, right? Yeah. You can see that where right now they're 
there's nothing they're playing for other than history. I mean, I, unless they have a total collapse, they're going to win the President's Trophy. So uh, the one thing you want to avoid is, you know, on April 15th or whenever the playoffs start, that all of a sudden you hadn't had a competitive game or a competitive situation for six weeks, and now you're down 2-1 going into the third period of game one, and you're like, oh, this is kind of strange. Although they've had that happen a lot this year, and then go out and score four goals in the third <laughs> yeah. period and win 5-2. to two. I mean, it really hasn't deterred them from anything. But again, when you're facing playoffs, and we know, you know, home ice advantage in the playoffs is kind of strange. Sometimes it works against the team because you get down and the crowd gets very restless. Yeah. And that can sometimes, you know, filter through the team. Look what the Bruins did in 2011 winning Game 7 in Vancouver. Once they yeah. got that two-goal lead, you could just sense that the Vancouver crowd was ready to just, you know, start flipping cars over and burning down the city, which is exactly <laughs> what they did like two hours later. But, yeah, so that that's something you want to avoid. But the key thing here is the, the depth, right? Because if you've got Taylor Hall and Charlie Coyle on your third line, yeah. that's darn good. That's outstanding. And we know what the production they get from the top two lines. And, and that's the thing, too. A guy like Taylor Hall, he's not even really scoring a lot. And, and that that's the scary thing because he's a guy that, you know, again – he can go on a, on a burner where he's just, you know, the puck finds a stick and then the puck finds the net and all that. So, you know, but he, but he still made a huge impact on this team. Like I, I love his game. I think, you know, a, a lot of the things that he does, doesn't necessarily get recognized on the stat sheet. And of course, you know, he's going to be looked at as a guy who needs to score more and, and whatnot. And I think he can do that in the playoffs, but you know, again, the, the depth on this team, it's, it's hard to match it. I mean, there's some really good teams in the East. So I think that's going to keep, um, the competitive juices for the Bruins flowing, uh, because they do have a nice, really nice lead and probably one that's, you know, very likely not going to go away, but you still don't want to rest and, and get too lazy. And I think, I think fortunately for this team that, that their mental makeup isn't going to allow that. I, I think, uh, especially the older players, guys like Bergeron, Krejci, Marchand, um, they, they've gotten close uh, a couple times now since winning the Stanley Cup, and, and I don't think they like that feeling. They want to go all the way, so mm-hmm. um, I think that's going to help them. And look, this this stretch of back-to-backs, and, and the competition isn't, you know, I think it's a tough schedule, like you said, from the po- point of a lot of back-to-backs and, and tight uh, windows for uh, games or whatever, uh, but I don't think the competition is necessarily the best. Uh, they have a fairly modest schedule. Like they, they only play a handful of really good teams. They have um, the Rangers coming up in a few days, which is going to be pretty, uh, pretty big matinee um, matchup with the Lightning later in the season. I think another one with Toronto. But there's a few Montreals in there, a couple Blackhawks. So you know the competition's going to be okay. Uh, but I think I think it could actually benefit them in the long run. Uh, because if you go into the playoffs already kind of on that playoff run of playing a lot of games, not necessarily back-to-back, but every other day, that's going to be mm-hmm. a good thing for the Bruins team, who I think, uh, you know, fortunately for them, there are, like I said, there are a few other good teams in the East that aren't necessarily on their heels, but it, it basically gives... Um, it basically gives, uh, 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 let's see, it gives uh, the Bruins an opportunity to, to make sure that they stay competitive. Because if they kind of fall off, then, you know, again, there's going to be an opportunity for a team like Carolina to, to creep up there. But um, anyways, before we go, though, John, big debut tonight in the NBA. Kevin Durant finally making his mm-hmm. uh, debut with the Suns. I mean, it, it feels like uh, that trade happened months ago, but, well, 
we haven't really been able to talk about it. I mean, there was an all-star break in there. There was, you know, the Super Bowl, all that stuff. But uh, Kevin Durant makes his debut with the Suns tonight. And look, I'm eager to watch it. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm very eager to watch it because the Suns are a team that, I mean, you add Kevin Durant to that team, that, that can make a drastic, drastic difference. Yeah, when we saw Kyrie get traded to Dallas three weeks ago, we talked about it, and it could be a disaster or it could be a complete home run, and it's been closer to being a disaster because Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving are both ball-dominant. Kyrie's not necessarily the easiest guy to play with you know, on and off the court. Durant, to me, of, of all the superstars, is the most readily plug-and-play player in the league. I mean, he'll just go out there. He'll get his 18 to 20 shots. He'll score 30. Um, you know, he, he can catch and shoot. He can create his own shot. He'll give you good effort on the defensive end. He's a good passer. I mean, he, he's an all-time great player, but he fits in perfectly, and I think it'll work with Chris Paul. So you've got these two veteran players. Um, Chris Paul would like to win a championship. He's never won one. He's been to one final. And Durant, who I think kind of wants to prove that he can win without being on Golden State. Now, if he wins a championship this year, they'll say, well, he went to a ready-made team. But let me just say this. When Phoenix acquired him, they were essentially a 500 team. So, you know, I think if he puts them over the top, he'll get plenty of credit for that. But this should work out. And then you also put in Devin Booker, who is an outstanding player as well, and DeAndre Eight. So they're, they're going to be very, very difficult to deal with in the Western Conference um, because I, I just have so much respect with Durant's game that he can just step in and it should be seamless with Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and the rest of that team. Yeah, I, look, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, you know, we we watched the first couple of games with Kyrie and, and Dallas, and you're like, well, okay, you know, look, you know, he's out there. No one's going to deny his skill and everything like that. But to your point, some of the things we were concerned about are kind of starting to to creep in there. And and again, you you question maybe. Um, <clears throat> You know, how sustainable is it over the course of the rest of the season and into the playoffs? But I, I'm right there with you. I think Kevin Durant's a much more... I think, I, honestly, and I, and I think a lot of people, uh, obviously, he gets criticized a lot and all that, but, like, he's the most... I think he's the most, like, human athlete in the M. You know what I mean? Like, he's just mm-hmm. a he's just a guy. He's a guy who has burner accounts. You know, he's <laughs> a guy who will uh, waste his time responding to trolls. It's kind of like me. Me and Kevin Durant are a lot of the same. Like, I mean, let's and Aaron Rodgers, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Have, you know, like burner accounts. Maybe he does. No, I, I'm sure. I'm sure he does. Uh, there, there's a few. I think at uh, John Sap 25 is one of them. So no, no. Yeah. You read my tweets recently. Oh, okay. All right. Well, yeah. Maybe maybe I we'll mean, dive into yeah. yeah. Maybe we'll, well t- dive into know. that later this week. You know, yeah, examine I mean, John's some really stinging yeah. tweet I put out earlier in the week. That's probably why he hasn't said anything after you merged out of darkness. <laughs> He's still in in shock that yeah. you know his guy is criticizing him for going 22 straight games without having a 300 yard passing game during the same period of time. You know Brock Purdy, uh, Bailey Zappi. Um, wow, you know, really? Mark White. Yeah, no, he's gone 22 straight. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not making this up. Wow, he's gone 22 straight games without cracking 300 yards passing in a single game, and during that stretch, Bailey Zappi, uh, Mac Jones, Mike White, uh, Zach Wilson. And Brock Purdy and Sam Darnold, and I, I just stopped that. That's that's six. Those six quarterbacks have all had 300 yard passing games. Bailey Zappi started two games in his career as a 300 yard passing game uh, more recently than Aaron Rodgers had. So and I didn't have this on the tweet. I probably should have. But Aaron Rodgers, who says he owns the Chicago Bears, which has been true throughout his career, is now evolving into a Chicago Bears type quarterback. Yeah, that's a look. I I genuinely was not like I like it's it's shocking. But I'm not like 
entirely shocked because again, I mean, yardage numbers. I mean, he's never been a big yardage guy, and you know, no. again, some of the criticism of you know his play has, has been maybe being a little bit too protective of his personal numbers. You know, the touchdowns mm-hmm. and the interceptions, and that kind of maybe dissuades him from you know not taking some more risks or whatever. I don't know. I mean, again, there, there's. <clears throat> There, there's things obviously that we can split hairs when talking about Aaron Rodgers and see how, how that happens. We started talking about Kevin Durant. Now we're in on Aaron Rodgers. Oh, um, same guy, right? Yeah, well, I guess, look to me, a lot of and, and you like those guys, right? I mean, and I agree with you in that they're both pretty human, right? I mean, because they, there's Kevin Durant. I think spends his day at home, you know, on Twitter, Instagram, whatever, TikTok, and like listening to Skip and Shannon talk about him and yeah. then he reacts to it, which is kind of you know. I wouldn't say it's refreshing. It might be a bit odd and maybe a bit dangerous, but you know, he, he seems real, right? Like he, he's just being a real person. But to me, that, that Roger stat of 22 consecutive games without cracking 300 yards passing, it would almost be like me coming on here and saying, Oh, by the way, Kevin Durant has cracked 30 points in a game for like 42 straight games. And you yeah. say that can't be possible. Right. I mean, he's too good for that, but yeah. Um, this makes me but, angrier that, uh, a 2021 MVP, man, it's killing me. Oh no, don't go there. I they, can't. I, look, put it it, this way, they both deserve the MVP. Let me put it this way: I think, well, Mahomes deserved the MVP this year. Although Jalen Hurts didn't get hurt, I think he may have won it. But both guys had MVP caliber seasons. You know, it's not like like sometimes you look back at some of the Major League Baseball MVPs. You know, American National League, and you go, "How the hell did that guy win the MVP?" Like he didn't have really great stats and someone in the league. I mean, Ted Williams won a triple crown and didn't win the uh, MVP of the league back when the triple crown was even more valued than it is now because of all the new modern stats. But yeah, that they, they were both deserving in 2021. Our two guys. Uh, I can't, I, that's, I, I, it's gonna, it's gonna bug me. I'm going to be like 82 years old, like sipping my food out of a straw. And it's just, that's just going to pop into my head. And I, I, I can't believe it. I'll be like, oh. Randolph first with Rosebud, you yeah. know, <laughs> at the end of Citizen Kane. There the we go. Yeah, Rosebud, Rosebud, you know, 2021 MVP, you know. That'll be me. That'll be me. That's what's going to yeah. drive me insane. Actually, no, I don't know. And maybe my maybe my trip to Kansas City in a few weeks is going to drive me insane. So uh, we'll, oh, we'll God, see. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, uh, it's like two months from now, actually, now that I think about it. Technically, it's next <laughs> month, but what I, the draft is at the end of April. So yeah. there's there's still time to prepare and stoke the uh, the angers and the emotions of the Chiefs fans before I go out and meet them. So, uh, but that's going to... Wear a disguise. Yeah. That's all. Just wear a disguise. You'll be fine. Maybe, maybe I'll wear, wear a wolf mask uh, for anyone who... who <laughs> Fall, uh, follows uh, the drama of, of one Chiefs fan in particular. Um, I can I can disguise myself as him. So, all right, that's going to do it for us here today. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. Um, probably definitely talking more NHL trade deadline. Uh, you know, maybe we'll react to uh, Kevin Durant's uh, big game. What do you think stat line? I'm, I'm going to say let's say thirty two eight and five. Going to have a big day, big night tonight. How about mm-hmm. that? What do you give me if Sounds I'm right? Good to me. Um, I'll give you a compliment. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. That's 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 very valued. In and a wolf part. mask. Oh, okay, good, 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 good. I'm kind of wondering why you have one, but um, all right, that's going to do it for us here today. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in, and uh, we will uh, talk to you tomorrow.